0: on behalf of the Mayflower family and staff, I welcome you to this time of worship where although we might be sheltering in place at home, in this sacred place, we are reminded that shelter is found in the presence of God and this divine shelter knows no boundaries. It is here at 2345 Robinson Road and it is with you Wherever you might be on this Sabbath morning in Grand Rapids with your family next to you in the living room watching on a TV or by yourself watching on an old desktop on a computer in Boston or perhaps an iPhone in New Orleans or a watch party in San Francisco. So the Spirit, through the Spirit, we are one, wherever we might be. And we are delighted you have joined us and are part of this day with our Mayflower Church family. We hope you've been able to connect with us through our Facebook and Instagram pages. Here we offer music on what is called Mondays at Mayflower and photos celebrating joyous events we have shared as a church family on Throwback Thursdays. We also have pages with daily content for youth and young families contributed by our Youth and Faith Formation Journey staff. Please also know your staff has been reaching out to members and friends of our congregation, inquiring if they might be able to help someone in need, or if they themselves are in need of assistance. This morning, here at Mayflower, in a normal world, we would be enjoying the children's musical and the good work of our children's choirs. While recognizing the sadness, noting that this milestone is passing us by today, I'm pleased to share with you that Abby Brooks, our children's choir director, held choir rehearsals this week with all of our children through Zoom meetings. And this afternoon, Abby and Josh, our high school choir director, has scheduled a Zoom meeting at 1230 for all those involved in the musical. They will have a sing-along. If you receive our Friday email, we invite you to locate our worship bulletin. If you are streaming through our website, you can download a bulletin directly from this site. That way you can follow along the order of the service. You can sing along with the hymns and the Gloria Patri and the doxology. You can read along with the scripture messages and pray in one voice as we join together as the body of Christ. Today we are launching our virtual coffee hour. However, we realised the link was not included in the Friday email. If you are using the bulletin from the website, you will find a Zoom link at the conclusion of the service. We apologize for this confusion. There are still a few bugs to work out, and we are hoping to do better next week. For those who are able, we hope you will join us. So now, let us prepare our heart, our soul, and our mind. Let us prepare to come before the one which is holy in our world, that which sustains us by grace, the one who surrounds us with steadfast love in these difficult times as we walk together the valleys and the hills of life Experiencing both sorrows and joys, come, let us worship. The poet Mary Oliver wrote these words about prayer. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest. But the doorway into thanks. And a silence in which another voice may speak. And so it is into this doorway and into this silence that I invite you to join me in prayer. Let us pray. Ever present God. God of love, the great I am. As we just Pay attention to our lives in these days of sheltering. We are aware of new doorways which bring us into your presence. The chirping of birds ushering us into a new day. The nod of a stranger behind a mask reminding us of our common humanity, the rhythm of meals, the preparation, the gathering, and the cleanup that remind us of the basic needs which you provide. As we come before you this morning, we open our hearts and our lives to you we ask that into this silence, we will hear your voice speak of the blessings you offer to each of us and those which we can offer to each other. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. But a son, who is your own flesh and blood, will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. The next reading comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 21, verse 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. The next reading comes from the book of Hosea, chapter 10, verse 12. And from the prophet Hosea, said these words. So righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The final scripture reading comes from Matthew's Gospel. We start in the fourth chapter, verses 23 through 25. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. And now continuing from Matthew 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God.
1: I invite you to join your hearts together with mine in prayer and let us pray. O oh God of blessing, God of wonder, God of healing and God of grace, we gather before you on this Sabbath morning seeking a word, a word of hope, a living word that which can sustain and guide us in these unsettling times. So as we open our spirit to your spirit, may you speak to us and inspire us. Once again, we pray. Amen. Baruch Spinoza notes scholar Beth Lord in her insightful book, Spinoza's Ethics, was the son of Portuguese Jews who who fled religious persecution in in Portugal in the end of the 1500s. Baruch in, in Hebrew means blessed. And he lived from 1632 to 1677. And while at times violent, this was also a a fascinating time to be alive intellectually. Peers of Spinoza include uh, Newton and Galileo and Rembrandt. It was an era of engaging intently with the world, with life, and trying to make sense of it all. And it was into that dangerous and yet curious world that Spinoza Reflected on, on life and faith and God and how to make the, the best of the gift of life. During his lifetime, he published just two books and they caused an uproar, particularly because he criticized religious authorities at the time and defended democracy and tolerance. For example, Spinoza wrote in a preface to one of his books, I have often wondered how men who make a boast of professing the Christian faith, which is a religion of love and joy and peace and temperance, should quarrel so fiercely and display the bitterest hatred towards one another. It was such hypocrisy that compelled Spinoza to seek to articulate a way to, to live our lives that steers us towards love and joy rather than towards hatred and resentment. A way he attempted to describe in a book that was published after his death, a book called Ethics. Two Sundays ago, we joyfully celebrated how the Bible describes that. That life is stronger than death. As we read the account of how the women and and disciples peered into an empty tomb. Last Sunday we began our series Resurrection Blessings, a a study in the Beatitudes. And we noted in Matthew, after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to the women and, and told them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers in Galilee. There they will see me. Matthew records how the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, and Jesus said these words, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything That I commanded you. Last Sunday, Lynn guided us to this fascinating observation that when we attempt to figure out what we are supposed to teach, what we've learned from Jesus and are now supposed to share with the world for answers, we need to go back to the fourth chapter of Matthew's gospel and to another mountainside. And what do we find there? Well, we read that Jesus went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And large crowds followed him. In other words, in some ways, the end of the fourth chapter of Matthew resembles our own COVID world, with many who are sick and destitute, who are longing for hope. Matthew continues, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he he went up on that mountaintop and sat down. His disciples came to him and, and he began to teach. He said this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. Lynn noted how there are two words for blessing primarily in the Bible. The first is eulogoya, which is used when you give a personal blessing to another person. For example, when someone sneezes and you say, God bless you, that's a hope. It's even a prayer that in the future someone will be blessed. But Jesus uses another word for, for blessed or blessing here in Matthew. And that is makario. Which is not necessarily a prayer for the future. But rather a declaration that, that happiness and, and good fortune already exists when we realize the kingdom of God is now among us. It's in our midst. If we know where to look and then how to act. Last Sunday, Lynn walked us through the blessings with those found who are poor in spirit and and mourn and those who are meek. This morning, we turn to our next beatitude as we hear Jesus say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I wonder, have you ever said the words, When you're right, you're right. Have you ever admired something that was, as you put it, right as rain? Said a project fell right into place. That despite appearances, someone's heart was in the right place. Or simply that two wrongs don't make a right. The word right pops up in our conversations, our daily conversations with each other, doesn't it? It also emerged in a few quotes I came across this week. Abraham Lincoln once advised us to be sure to put our our feet in the right place and then stand firm. John Wooden, the UCLA basketball coach and a hero of mine, once said, if you don't have time, to do it right, when will you have time to do it over? Alexander Hamilton once observed that that people are, are turbulent and changing and seldom determine or judge right. For Baruch Spinoza, the idea of right intrigued him the pursuit of defining what is right, where to stand, our approach to it, what is the right frame of mind and a right judgment, in particular in light of all that can go wrong in our pursuit of that which is right. In his book Ethics, Spinoza observed how human beings are constantly pushed and pulled by feelings, That are based on images. We are driven, therefore, by by love, but also by, by hatred and ambition and pride and resentment that bring us into conflict with each other. I wonder, has that ever been true in your own life and experience? In your worship bulletin, if you scroll to the bottom, you'll find a photograph this morning. Journalist Jennifer Hassan describes how it captured a moment where, where two people f- faced each other in a busy intersection in downtown Denver. The, the man wearing turquoise medical scrubs and an N95 mask stood silent and resolute in the middle of the intersection. Opposite him, a woman poked her head out of the window of of a truck. This is a free country, the land of the free, she yelled and, and pulled out a poster displaying those very words. Video of this confrontation has been viewed over 8 million times on social media. Some said that the image was for the history books. Others called for the, Pulitzer Prizes, to take note, one tweet simply said, This is America. Baruch Spinoza believed because we can be so influenced by emotions and images, and remember he lived in the 17th century, not the age of the iPhone and YouTube, he said we can be therefore enslaved by our emotions by images, And so he suggested we need to discover what he called a new model of human nature, a model upon which to build a, a good life, a happy life, an ethical life. Last Sunday, Lynn pointed us to such a model as we stood with Jesus on the mountainside where he taught this desperate crowd of people. And, and the first word out of his mouth was makarios. Meaning, if you do that, you will be blessed. Then happiness and good fortune will emerge as you align your life with the kingdom of God. This morning, we read, Jesus said, Makarios are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, the the word righteousness, as scholar Jonathan Pennington notes in his book, Sermon on the Mount and Human Flourishing, it's this umbrella concept that envisages what, what, what Jesus expects of his disciples so they might enter into this kingdom of God. But it's important to note also Jesus wasn't the first to use this word in the Bible. In our scripture readings this morning, we can see it's also essential to God's relationship with Abraham. Genesis 15 describes how, how God took Abraham outside and said, look up at the sky, count the stars. So shall your your offspring be Then Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Righteousness, in other words, is connected with our faith. It, it, it's, it, it's our choice to believe in God and and acknowledge that God's choice to reckon to us that we are righteous comes comes from the outside in but other passages teach how it's also connected to that which emerges from the inside out proverbs 21:21 21, 21 teaches to pursue righteousness the prophet hosea says that we should sow righteousness So what is Jesus talking about when he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled? Pennington notes that ever since the Reformation, many have assumed that the Protestant understanding of righteousness in Paul's letters is what Matthew means here. That hungering and thirsting for righteousness is longing for God's righteousness to be given to us as an expression of, of our salvation, that, that like Abraham, it's credited to us. But in Matthew, righteousness is not necessarily something that God does or gives. But as Pennington notes, it's what is expected of us as Jesus' disciples. And what is that? What is expected of us? What kind of actions and righteousness bring about Macario? I wonder if David Kessler might offer us an idea. Kessler is now a professor, but in the 1990s worked at the FDA. He wrote this week these words. He said, everyone wants to go back to work to school, and and be together again as soon as possible. But we need to face the fact we will not be fully free until we have a vaccine. So how do we navigate this perilous terrain until then? Kessler shares how a team of infectious disease epidemiologists calculated that, that we must reduce our social contact by 65% from what they were before the virus started spreading. By doing this, we will reach the point that each existing infection will cause less than one new infection. Only then will the number of infections begin to fall and we will get the epidemic under control. But how do we do that? That's the question, isn't it? Especially when, as Spinoza suggested, human beings are so easily enslaved by our emotions and by images. Where there is, I suspect, a little of each of us. In each of those two people staring and and shouting at each other in that intersection in Denver. Kessler writes that achieving this degree of social protection requires a a new social contract. Just as we obey the most basic laws in order to protect us, everyone needs to accept the responsibility not only for their circle of friends, family, colleagues, but the wider community. We each hold, he writes, the health of our neighbors In our hands. And all this goes away. When we have a vaccine. Until then. Our behavior. Will control our fate. In his book Ethics. Spinoza suggests. Blessedness. Consists in the joyful affirmation. Of knowing. Ultimate. We are in God, and we are conceived through God. Achieving blessedness means we truly understand that God is truth and love, and we as human beings are a part in a degree of that. Meaning to be blessed is to recognize and to know and then to act in the assurance that God's essence is in us. This essence of truth and love. And then equally important, to come to that place in our lives where we long to offer this essence, this truth, this love, and this blessing to another. For blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. For yes, God is about the work of making things right in our world. Yes, that which is right. Righteousness comes to us from outside of ourselves, from God. But it is also taught Jesus on that mountainside. That which comes from the inside out. And when it does, said Jesus, it is Macario. Then we will be blessed, as well as those we know, those we love, and those with whom we hold in our neighborhood, in our community, in our country, and in our world, a common faith. In the name of the creator, the sustainer, and the redeemer. Amen.
2: Marty Haugen, born in 1950, is among the most prolific and influential composers of liturgical music in his generation. His hymns, His his psalm settings and anthems are widely used in both Protestant and Catholic churches all over the world. Commenting on his many psalm settings, he says, The more time I spend in prayer and reflection upon the psalms, the more I realize how they have formed the core of my sung and silent prayer. All of human life is there, thanksgiving and praise, lament and loss, anger and fear, and always hope. Shepherd me, O God, is a setting of Psalm 23, and it begins with the phrase, shepherd me, O God, using the word shepherd not as a noun, the Lord is my shepherd, but as a verb. Shepherd me, O God. When we come to the verse, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Righteousness is our word today. He extends this phrase with a lyrical phrase. My spirit shall sing the music of your name. My hope is that this setting of Psalm 23 will help us reflect and be comforted as we think about what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness.
0: Every week, Mayflower leans upon the generosity of members and friends to support our budget with approximately $25,000 of support through plate offerings, checks, credit cards, and online giving. Please know you can give online from our homepage on the website where you will find the Donate button. We are receiving mail. We also have a special mailbox under the portico where you can drop off an envelope. We now also offer the opportunity to give via text. Please check our worship bulletin for details. Our business manager shared that we've already had a few early adapters of this new way to support our church. To worship is to be reminded of the one from whom all blessings flow. And while our ushers might not physically wait upon us this morning for our offering, your church does ask for your support as we continue to serve our membership, our friends, and our community. Will you pray with me, please? God of power and love, we come to worship this day in anticipation, to hear the familiar music, to be fed with the word, to reconnect with family, but most of all, to listen to your voice as it might speak to us In the silence. May your goodness and caring be affirmed. In the gifts we offer this morning. And throughout this week. In our giving. May we grow in gratitude. Trust. And faithfulness. In the name of Christ. Who gave all for us. We pray. Amen. Thank you. Our prayer this morning is adapted from words offered by James Parker, a writer at the Atlantic Monthly, Tricia Arlen, and Rabbi Naomi Levy. Let us pray. Dear Lord, in this our hour of doorknobs and droplets, when masks Have canceled our personalities. In this hour of prickling parameters. Sinister surfaces. And defeated bodies. When some of us are stepping into rooms humid with contagion. And some of us are standing in the pasta aisle. In this hour of vacant parks and boarded up hoops, when we miss the sounds of our village, our city, and we hear instead the tarp that flaps on the unfinished roof, the squirrel giving his hinge-like cry and the siren passing. To you we send up our prayer that you might fortify us so we might bless each other with right actions, right words, righteousness grounded in truth and in love. Gracious God, hear our prayers. As we wash our hands, as we take care of each other, we pray, blessed are you, O Lord, our creator, the source of Markarios, breathing us in and breathing us out. So may our breaths continue, we pray, and our health and the health of all be preserved. Because at times, in certain moments, we are frightened. We are worried for our loved ones. We are worried. For our world. Teach us, O God, to turn our panic into patience. And our fear into acts of kindness and support. Now is the time for the strong to watch out for our weak. Our young to take care of our old. Grant Consolation to the bereaved families and send a speedy and complete recovery to all who have contracted the virus. Send strength and courage to the doctors and nurses on the front lines. Fortify them with the full extent of their healing powers. Send wisdom and insight to the scientists working across the world to discover healing treatments and protocols. Bless their efforts. Fill our leaders with the wisdom and the courage to choose wisely. Help us, God, to see that we are one world one people who will rise with your strength and wisdom and love above this pandemic together. Hear our prayers. And now I invite you to join your voice with mine as together, joined by the Spirit, we unite in the prayer our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread.
1: Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Yes, God is about the work of making things right in our world. Yes, that which is right, righteousness, comes to us from outside of ourselves, from God. But it is also taught, Jesus on the mountaintop that day, that which comes from the inside out. And when it does that, said Jesus, it is makarios. Then we will be blessed as well as those we know, those we love, and with those with whom we hold in our neighborhoods, communities, country, and world, a common faith. And now, as you go out into this day and into this week, know the steadfast love of God surrounds you. The peace of Christ attends to you. And the Spirit will guide you this day and forevermore. Amen.